welcome to the Delling Pod with me, James Delling Pod. And I know I always say I'm excited about this week's special guest, but I really am. It's Dr. Anthony Muller. Um, and Anthony, you're in Brazil. In, yes. We've just established northern Brazil. Is that right? Yes. Northern, northeast. 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 Yes. And so what's the... Um, What's the what's it like there? Is it is it kind of beaches or is it rainforest or what? I've never yes. been to Brazil. Okay. Well, first, uh, thank you for having me on. It's a great pleasure to be on your show. And as I mentioned, I live in Brazil. So in Brazil, we basically have the southern part, which in fact is pretty European in many respects. Also, ethnically, it is a huge uh, Italian immigration, German immigration, and so on. And then you have the Northeast, which is the old Brazil. That was the Brazil where it was first established as a Portuguese, and later on, for a short time, a Dutch colony. So you also have a strong Dutch influence there. And what most people have in mind when they think about Brazil is the North, the Northern part of Brazil, which is a gigantic area known as Amazonia and the rainforest. Right. Where, where I live, yes. it is, if you want to think about, well, uh, Florida, a kind of Florida here where I live. I live on the beach and there are uh, skyscrapers, high houses and beaches and all very modern and shopping centers and so on. Now, let's say when you go into the interior uh, let's say from the coastline 10 miles into the, the, the middle of the country, it reminds me of Texas. So you get some idea. It's a kind of Texas down right. there. Then, yes, it's called the Sertau, it is called. Yes, so it's, it's, it's uh, I, I like it. I like to live it here. I'm, I'm pretty glad. We, here at the coastline, uh, the temperature in centigrade uh, hardly is more than 30 Rarely is more than 30 degrees. Yeah, it's usually right. below 30. So it's sort of balmy, like almost Californian in a way. Sleep without air condition, Lost for example. Right. Um, you've frozen again. I'm hoping that this line isn't going to keep okay. keep freezing. It's probably my fault. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah uh, I I'm just going to I'm just going to shut down all my different um, different things in case the internet. So, so we're going to talk today mainly about the Great Reset. Um, but um, oh, you've frozen again. It's no good. Ah, I wonder why it's doing that. Uh, it's probably I, my I internet, can see isn't it? myself. I've got. Uh-huh. Hang on. Um, I can't imagine. Yeah. Oh, anyway, let's carry on. Let's carry on. It, okay. it, it could be, of course, the world, the World Economic Forum trying to sabotage our um, our interview. <laughs> so, um, before <laughs> I ask you about the great, before I ask you about the great reset, I just wanted to ask you because you live in Brazil, and as you know. Most of the world has gone completely mad over coronavirus, whereas President Bolsonaro in Brazil has taken a very different response. I mean, what's what's been your experience of the of the of this 
supposed pandemic in Brazil? Well, uh, you're right. The president himself was not too enthusiastic to follow the global trend of lockdowns. But similar to the situation that you have in the United States, uh, health concerns are local. So the governors and even the mayors of cities have a priority in making health decisions. So you had an interesting division. Those uh, uh, states and municipalities that were more against Bolsonaro, Bolsonaro, they had applied a stronger lockdown. And there are several states that did not do uh, almost anything, only some kind of general cautionary uh, measures like putting on a mask, but not a brutal lockdown. And uh, as I could note here, uh, well, we have a, a obligation to wear masks, but it is not very much enforced. Yes, that's a typical Brazilian way. It, the country is just too big, too heterogeneous, too, too con- confused in certain ways. So this going through, like you, let's say you can do it in Britain or in Germany, here it's absolutely impossible. Yes, you have this always with this mega state, although you have an anarchistic tendency in the country. Yes, so I take my mask with me. And I walk around without mask and once in a time I put it up and only one time somebody said, don't you wear a mask? That was all. While I hear from from Europe that whenever you show up without a mask, you you are persecuted. (laughs) Yes. Yes, that is that is more or less it. I I mean, some of us. To, to, to not wear a mask is to be making a statement, certainly. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like a, it's like a gesture of defiance to the yes, authorities. Yes. It's, it's like, you know, it's like being a member of the resistance. Right. So um, b- before we move on to the Great Reset, um, Dr. Muller, um, I, I, I want to put you in context. Tell me a bit about yourself. I know you're a professor. Um, you're a doctor. Uh, I mean, as in a, a PhD. Um, what's, tell me how you came to be living in Brazil and, and, and uh, what's your field of expertise, expertise is and, and how you became interested in the Great Reset in that order? Well, okay. Well, uh, I grew up in, in Germany and uh, I did my studies there. I also had short stays in, in Britain, study stays in, in, in England and Spain. And were also picked up some Spanish at that time. And I took my PhD and I became uh, assistant professor. And you have to do this second degree in Germany to become a full professor. It's called habilitation. And after that, I, I was a Fulbright scholar in the United States and was an associate professor. And then I came back and it was some kind of feeling, well, I know all of Europe. Actually, I knew all of Europe with many travels from Northern Ireland to Turkey or from, from Portugal to, to Finland and so on. Many stays, also short visits in Paris. I had a stay in Paris for a year. So, well, I, I, and I knew very much America, the United States. And so, uh, 
well, I was in my office and uh, uh, my colleague showed up and said, here's something for you. If you don't do that, you will stay there forever at this place here. And it was a, uh, a, a visiting professorship in, in Brazil, which I applied for. And this was in Florianopolis in the south. And it was on an island. It, the, the university is on an island. And, and well, I grew up in Germany. And the sea was very far. And only and it's cold. The northern, <laughs> the, 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 the water is cold in, in northern, northern Germany. Yes. And so and I, 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 I read about they have 40, 40 beaches there. And so I got there, and uh, it, I had some interruption during the, my first day. I went on to, to visit the United States, and I had a stay in Guatemala at the University of Francisco Marroquin. That was very nice, a longer stay there. So I came back, and I just did not want to go, go back to, to Europe. I just, uh, and, and to the United States also, I felt quite well. So I looked around, and... Uh, interestingly enough, I found a position here uh, beyond where I was a visiting professor as a full professor in the in the federal university. So actually, as a, an anarchist, so to speak, from my from my philosophy, I am a state employee, a federal state employee. Yes, I'm official. Yes, and there, there, there each state has at least one federal university here in Brazil, and these are usually the well-funded uh, and, and very good places to, to have also room to study and to do research. And my area in, in back, back then from the beginning has been uh, macroeconomics, Austrian economics, monetary economics, international economics. I did some study about international debt and so on. And when I came to Brazil, I concentrated even more on Austrian economics, and I, uh, I built strong relationships with the Mises Institute of Brazil, was instrumental in setting up a Mises Institute in, in Brazil, I want to say in the United States, and in, in Brazil also. So we have a, a, an institution which is very strong, which does a lot of work here. And so I've, I feel somewhat I've, I've found my mission in life, so to speak, and I can combine many interests. And, well, I was not so much interested in the World Economic Forum. I've heard about it. I knew about it. And, of course, when the first reactions came to the pronouncement of the pandemic, I, I said to myself, this is impossible what they're doing. This is outright crazy. It is so out of proportion that, and of course, we were at that time, at, at the, these, these first months here also in a kind of quarantine, quarantine. And so I had uh, more time than usual. And I began to investigate and said, okay, I found the, the, the wasp nest so to speak, the, the, there is something really terrible going on. And I was, with each more of my inv investigation, I was more surprised of what I had missed up to now. Because it's really a big thing, and it explains a lot of these otherwise hardly to explain things that are going on right now. Yes, I think you're absolutely right that... I've been aware for a very long time of, of Davos, 
you know, you, you you see the planes, the private jets landing, and you see the the president's helicopter flying over, and you see the the limousines, and you hear stories, and you think, well, this is just very very rich people having a kind of holiday in the Alps, and that's how it seemed for many many years. I mean, you think that Klaus Schwab founded the World Economic Forum, and I think the early 70s. So this thing has been going on for a long time. But like you, I only really became aware of the World Economic Forum as as a menace, as opposed to this just kind of comical thing, almost, um, this year. And I think a lot of people are in our position that they're, they're coming to terms, but they're looking around them, and they're thinking, how do how do I what how do you explain this massive concerted government overreaction across the world almost like the, the countries are acting in lockstep how do you explain it and so tell me how you how did you decide that it was the world economic forum and the great reset that was responsible for this because i mean even now i'm not i find it hard to believe that this that this kind of sinister master plan like something out of a uh, out of a movie could actually be happening to us now well uh, i mean uh, i fully agree with you that the point to take into consideration is the lockstep as you said that's exactly the point i mean if just one government say say, say let's say germany do it in an overreaction you can come up with the whole history stuff and psychology and well these crazy germans they overreact and so on and you could explain anything yes by literature and philosophy and history and so on and and well and and as we know maybe right now in britain it's even worse so uh, this thing does not hold to put some blame on the individual nations it is a command, a command given uh, from above. Now, where is this above? And you have uh, actually the World Health Organization as part of the United Nations, that that is. And this is an interesting thing now, because the World Health Organization is uh, half official, half private. So you have a strange connection of major interest, let's call him the Microsoft founder, as on the one hand, who has a strong hand in the whole thing, the whole pharmaceutical interest, industry, which is linked to it, some kind of research projects and research institutions. And let's not forget, in this medical area, there is huge money involved. I mean, these are sums that are unimaginable for, let's say, an ordinary professor at a university and those there's big money involved if you get a certain research grant and so on. And you, now you, you go back into the documents and it's it's not a conspiracy in, in, in the traditional sense that's going on because it's all published, it's all open. You find the document, you find the talks, You, you, you if you require a little bit more, you find many details who participated and so on. So it is it is quite quite open and there were agreements uh, made uh, years ago that when the World Health Organization pronounces a pandemic, yes, certain measures are triggered 
in the countries that form and sign this agreement. Now, what had happened in the meantime, and this is the sinister part, yes, without much ado, without much uh, publication, yes, uh, a year or so ago, this World Health Organization had simply changed the definition of a pandemic. Before it was combined with, yes, with large effects on the health, in the sense that you really have a lot of, of people who, who die from, from, from a, a pandemic. Now it is just a pandemic. It can be just a virus that spreads, even when the effect on the uh, grave effects on the, on the health of the people are minimal. And this is the crazy thing. So, so and even it gets crazy when you think only uh, um, a couple of months ago there was a simulation going on. Uh, what will happen in the world when there is such a pandemic? And it looks like uh, it looks as if they made really a real simulation a couple of, of months later. And then crazy documents appear. And they all are authentic, so it, it's, it's, uh, it, it was lead, uh, leaked. Uh, the German interior minister uh, published internal paper. It had an internal paper that was published after that, where the government said, we must create a panic. We must create fear. I mean, this, <laughs> man, <laughs> just think about if it were a real pandemic, if really the nation, the life of, of millions of people were under threat, uh, the government would do the opposite. It would say, well, stay calm, we will manage it, don't, don't panic, it, it is not so worse as it seems. Yes, but so you have this propaganda uh, mechanism going on all over, all over. And, I mean, you just have to turn on TV, you have to look at the major uh, newspaper. It is a gigantic propaganda apparatus that has been started. And this is scary. Indeed, it is unexplainable in this respect. Yes, yes. I, I, I remember seeing the, the leaked documents from, from, from Germany where, where they deliberately... Where, where, government ministers were advised to to dwell on just how horrible a death it was and to dwell on the gory details as much as possible and as you say they would not be doing this if people were dropping dead in the streets that would be more than less than enough for the people that this was a problem but they seem to be manufacturing this problem and and we have our own sage committee um and the government sage committee has a quite a large number of behavioral psychologists on it. Now, what are they doing there? It seems to me that their job is to is to use trickery to ramp up the hysteria and creating the idea of the public that this sort of willingness to 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 submit to whatever the government imposes on them. I mean, we're we're seeing this now. People are people a significant chunk of the population seems to be clamoring for more lockdowns. So we've analysed what's what's going on, but here's the thing that really puzzles me, and I don't know whether you can explain this. Um, we all think of our of our governments as being these sovereign entities responsible to the voters, uh, the, the, responsible to the people they supposedly serve. But in every case, 
they seem to be ignoring the interests of the people and seem to be acting on orders from on high but 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 how does this come about i mean you know, you know i think of boris johnson michael gove in my own country why would these people who presumably went into politics to to help the help their people and be be good good ministers good governors why are they suddenly taking orders which are going to be a involve lying to the public and b involve damaging the economy why do they do that well this is a very hard uh, and sensible question to to answer but actually a good case uh, uh, is uh, uh, boris johnson uh, you may remember when the whole thing started, he proposed a so-called herd immunity. He had this idea, yes. well, not, let's not do too much. We, we, we do not want to is destroy our economy and we, we will risk a, a certain effect, a, a, a negative effect. But in the long run, it was a trade-off to do. And... Uh, almost overnight and as you said as if he had received a command he changed the attitude and went over to a brutal lockdown yes now uh, yes. one can only speculate what's what's behind that and uh, you have similar situations in in germany for example you have the following just to give a, a, another example because germany is more uh, federal than britain for example now you have these and we call them the 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 the, the state king so to speak each each governor of, of a state feels like a, a very important person in in germany especially in, in bavaria so you notice once in a while that uh, these dukes of these individual states uh, want to do a different kind of policy and they re reunite in a meeting under the chancellorship uh, of Angela Merkel and when they get out of the meeting uh, they are all for a harsh lockdown they go into the meeting and said, well, I'm not really in favor. I think we have to be more liberal and it's terrible for our industry. It's terrible for our Mittelstand as this, this part of Germany, of the German economy, which is very important, the medium-sized companies. They move into these meetings and they all seem pretty rational and, and conscientious of, of to do a trade-off about the things, the risks of this and that and this has happened several times because there were several meetings about that in the meantime and they come out in unisono yes doing what the chancellor had announced strict tough yes uh, lockdown yes. and it was so crazy the last one was announced officially announced and this is the name uh, lockdown light they used english lockdown light and overnight, it has been lockdown strict. It has been one of the terrible, most terrible lockdowns that has uh, begun right now for Christmas time. So this is crazy. Yes. This is so what is it, do you think, that in these meetings, what does Angela Merkel say to them? And what, what did they say to Boris Johnson? To make, I mean, what, what kind of threat... Or, or, or blackmail or bribery, can these 
well, I mean, I can't help but call them shadowy forces because they, they seem to have no, I mean, the World Health Organization, okay. But, I mean, to make people act against their own rational interests and, and act against the interests of their country, to actively, I mean, we'll get on to this in a minute, to actively destroy small businesses, to actually crash the economy, what kind of thing would you have to say to somebody to make them do that? Well, it's it's absolutely irrational. Uh, in one of my earlier texts to the problem, I wrote uh, that the best way to fight uh, an, uh, a pandemic is to have a strong economy, is to have a sound sound people yes. who go out who who strengthen their immune system, and not to make them fearful and destroy the economy. People lose their jobs. I mean, this exposes the individual to the virus whatever it is, much more than when you think, okay, things are going on, we are tough, we are strong. Like, well, let's, let's, let's call for Churchill. How did he react to the danger of an invasion? He made the English powerful. He did not say, go back into your homes, hide away with the viruses coming and so on. This is absolutely crazy how they, how they reacted. Insane, you can say. And of course, one must uh, presume now, even when we think that that uh, Donald Trump was in the beginning not so enthusiastic about a lockdown, but he could not yeah. pull through his idea. Uh, the mass media were an instrumental part. Now, who is yes. behind the mass media? That is maybe an interesting question. We have uh, the situation that in all of these countries, the three, four main media outlets, the BBC in Britain and major newspapers, yes, and in the United States, the CNN, yes, they have become a gigantic propaganda machine. And now just imagine the few voices that were critical of these uh, measures, who, which showed up as YouTube uh, contributions or Twitter statements were put away, were put under censorship. I mean, YouTube yeah. canceled thousands and thousands of simply critical statements where there were interviews with recognized experts, uh, recognized professors, yes, and they suddenly disappeared, yes, and Twitter you could not say, and of course it has already made a kind of self-censorship, you do not want to risk your channel, yes, and you do not want to risk your Twitter account, so you have a, actually a new kind of global terror regime that is in work, that is in place. And it's a strange combination. We, we are used to think of governments as the main force of dictatorship. That's what we always have yes. in mind. Yes, but here we have something new, which comes first of all from an agency, which is not uh, 
private and not public. It's a public-private agency, the World Health Organization, which is so powerful in its statement. So uh, at first, when I wrote something against it, I received mails, how can you write against an official agency? And they did not even know that it is half private. The most of the money comes from foundations and, and, and the vaccine industry, vaccination industry, and so on. Yes, and of course, you have the mass media which plays an interesting part and they have eliminated all kinds of critical journalists and you have also a kind of support in the uh, well let's put it undermined uh, academic world which uh, over the past couple of decades has become greenish uh, leftist gender-oriented, uh, some kind of strange philosophies where all common sense is left behind. Yes, so you have a, yes. a, 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 a cultural thing also behind what is going on, which makes it so terrible. I mean, it's a, a, it has, well, if I could bring it to a point with a, which certainly will provoke critique, but it has a religious aspect. Yes, like in history, where, where we, when we study history, suddenly a religious movement came over and transformed the people in one way or the, or the other. And of course, now you are a heretic, you are irreligious if you don't follow the standards that are now in place, this new kind of ethical thing, which is a adoration of, of Mother Earth, yes, uh, uh, yes. so, so to speak, a, a return to, to ancient cults, yes, where you adore Mother Nature, yes, and so it has something of these elements in it, which explains a lot why these measures go. So it, you have always this kind of inter interaction in, in all of history of kind of institution, but these institutions... Uh, be it the papacy or anything else, yes, they are only effective when they also have this cultural aspect to it. And now, now this, this, this World Health Organization is one element, but in itself it would not work. It, it also tr it maybe only triggered a kind of, of, of uh, fanaticism, yes, in the world. And the yes, world was right, for that. It, was right for it. Yeah. That, that's that's the phrase I was going, I was I was looking for. That, that yes, that they've they've laid the groundwork for this over a period of decades, and the fact that it's accelerating now um, doesn't that 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 makes us think it's a it's a very sudden thing, but actually it's not. This has been the fact that there are no there are very few academics. I mean, you'd be you'd be very much an exception. No academics to really critique this stuff intelligently because they're all on board with the program and right. science again i mean i i know about this because i've been studying the green movement for for over a decade and i know how they how they operate and it's it's really not about saving it's not about conservation it's not about doing the right thing by nature often it's against nature but right. but that is the that is the claim they make that they that this is this political action is necessary in order to save the world, if you like. When in fact they're actually covering, they're shackling the world they're, and enslaving the people. Um, but what? 
There's the Great Reset, isn't there, the World Economic Forum. There's also Agenda 2030, which I think is very, very similar. What What is the ultimate aim of these, of these political ideologies? What are they trying to achieve? Well, uh, from a personal perspective, I still remember in the 80s, yes, you had basically three groups of people. Yes, or four groups. Uh, one kind, uh, let's say, my generation when they were in the in the productive area, okay, they wanted to make money. They wanted to go into industries. They wanted to go into finance, make money. There was this other group, like wanted to go into studying, research, and so on. Yes, and you had another group uh, that wanted to make uh, fun and and celebrate and hedonistic lifestyle. And you had a fourth group, and this fourth group, uh, we we laughed at them a little bit. These were these green, uh, yes, uh, anti-work, anti-hedonistic, uh, ascetic people almost. Yes, that 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 they reduced already back then their lifestyle. They they had this ecological aspect. Yes, I remember when when I still had contacts to them. So you came to the party. I mean. The women were horribly dressed and so on. It, 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 it was a religious movement. Yes, it is mm. like these, it is in the history, these, these bigger, bigger orders. Yes, in the, in the Catholic yes. Church. Or yes. have, you seen, have yeah. you seen Game of Thrones? Yeah, I didn't know. The Sparrows. Yes. Anyway, yes, the sparrows yes. in Game of but, Thrones. But it's an similar. old, it's an old history. Yes, and this almost reminded me of that. Now, while let's say some people studied and worked and published and did their research, and the other had their fun and they went on going to golf clubs and so on and having their wine fests, and the others were working like crazy to make a lot of money. This group went into politics. They. They, 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 they occupied step by step all kinds of important positions. Last but not least, the main media, BBC, the German television, they all moved into these areas. And in the meantime, this media could make the propaganda apparatus, the ecological propaganda, which lifted now these people these, this group into important political positions. Now, when you, uh, I don't know how it is exactly, uh, the British system is a little bit different, but in, in, in Germany it's more proportional. So you look around, the Greens and the leftists are now everywhere. They're in city councils, they're burgermeisters, they're in the parliaments. Now they even talk that one of the green young ladies, they are relatively young often, yes, they, they, she wants to be chancellor, yeah, and so they have the power. And something else, which is uh, interesting for, for maybe your listeners to know, in Germany you also have another aspect. Yes, you know there was a reunification in uh, ninety. And um, so at that time, you had a group of people who were unable to integrate themselves in the, let's call them the capitalist work ethics, and many of these went into politics. So they changed 
their name, they changed the Merkel, Angela Merkel, the chancellor, is an example. She came from the communist youth organization, but changed into the Christian Democratic Union, yeah, took on a new clad, but just to hide her very red uh, uh, heart, so to speak. And now she's chancellor. And uh, so you have many of these people you have in the Berlin Senate. It's full of uh, uh, people who worked for the Stasi uh, in, in earlier times or are linked to that. So it's a, it's a horrible situation, which also explains a lot of what is going on. Yes, we call we call them watermelons. Green yes, on the outside, yes, red yes, on the inside. Yes, yes. Yes. But also, interestingly, um, a friend of mine, Benny Peiser, who is German, who was a member of the German Green Party in the nineteen seventies and was quite an activist. He's 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 since come over to the to the to our side. But he tells me that a lot of Nazis of, of former Nazis joined the Green Movement. Um, in the 19th, a lot of them were ex-Nazis joined the Green Movement because they saw it as a kind of way of of getting their ideology across uh, under the cover of environmentalism. That so was, so yes. I, I totally, totally um, hear what you say. So, so I can see, yeah, this has been um, entryism, isn't it? It's, it, it? it's This is of a piece with Gramsci, um, and and the the march through the institutions that they've been captured by people with the ideology and the appetite to sit on these boring committee meetings and to kind of make rules while everyone else is as you say making money or enjoying themselves these people have the will to capture every institution so i i sort of get that um but what's in it for People like all the people who go to the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, um, the connection with technocracy, that that ideology. Tell me how tell me how that fits in. And I mean, and, and how does it fit into the into other totalitarian um, uh, ideologies like Marxism or or Nazism, whatever? Is, is, is it of a piece with those? Well, uh, uh, there has always been a, a technocracy credit movement. Historically, one could even go back to Plato and his idea of an ideal state. Or throughout history, there has been, uh, there were many authors who set up a plan for a, a utopian society. And these utopian society were always uh, uh, expertocracy, so to speak, and there were a group of enlightened people, of Illuminati, if you want to say so, yes, that rule, the wise men, the philosophers in Plato's term. Now, the wise men uh, nowadays are the experts, they are the people at, at the uh, major companies, the producer of iPhones and computers and vaccines and so on. And uh, this is a long tradition and particularly when, when, we, when you uh, begin to research that movement, you had, you had this European strain with this utopian, with this socialism uh, stuff, Marxism, yes, and you had the French utopian socialists 
and you had the German visionaries, you had in Britain the Fabian Society, yeah, which fits yes. in, in, in quite well. Now, in the United States, this strand is expertocracy, and it goes back to the late 19th century, where uh, ideas emerged, this democracy is not really the right stuff for our country. Yes, we must do have, we must have a, yes, a, a, a more expert view, a more expert uh, uh, organization. And uh, when, when you look at this, this, this American history, there has always been in the educational system, this kind of producing the right American, yes, the great American, the, the functioning American, the consensual American has always been in place. And people close to uh, Woodrow Wilson, particularly uh, in, in, in before and, and during the First World War, were very instrumental to setting up a world government. Uh, that at that time was called the League of Nations, which did not yes. work out. But the, the, the United Nation is a successor. Now, what is the United Nation? L let's reflect a little bit. <laughs> experts. It's a rule of experts. Yes. I mean, when, when I was young and, and, and I studied and you thought about what will I do? Will I go into industry? Will I, will I continue in academic? It's the third, maybe the first you wanted to do, ah, I get a job at the IMF as an economist, I get a job at the World Bank. Yes, these, these were the big, big things and uh, I, I, I could observe that. So, so professors went into politics and then the uh, economic professors, economics, and after a while they, they, they were some kind of, they are not the right person, they were moved away and got top position in the United Nations. Yes, with all these ancient UNESCO, yeah, and all these this uh, World Bank stuff. Yeah, I mean, I know people who work in the in the World Bank. Yeah, traveling first class, always welcome all around the world. It's a top life. It's a, a magic life. Huge pensions yeah. and so on. And then came as a second part. Yes, also in my youth. Yes, in the seventies when you thought about it. Yes, another very attractive point for all economic economist uh, student economic students political science students language students yeah and so the european union getting a job at the european union it, a pure expertocracy yeah. the european union is pure it's the establishment of expertocracy so you have the united nations you have the imf the sister organizations and related to the to the imf yes and so uh, and at the uh, further uh, column, so to speak, of course, is the other thing. Yes, so let's say World Bank, yeah, IMF, United Nations, European Union, central banking, central banking. Yes, you can get super jobs at central banking. So these are the testicles, so to speak, that absorb all intellectual power into them themselves as experts, as experts, 
Yeah, we have, we live in an expertocracy. We live in an expertocracy. Now the problem with an expertocracy, and this is something are uh, well known uh, by the French utopian socialists, uh, Fourier, and particularly also uh, Auguste Comte, yes, he said, well, we now enter, and they called it the scientific age, the scientific age, the, the age of experts, something is lacking. Something is lacking. We, we need we need an, an emotional aspect to that. We need a, a modern religion. Yes, this can of course not be a religion as of the past, a transcendental religion, an otherworldly religion. It must be focused. And they, they looked around, there were many ideas, the communism was a kind of, of new religion, but it did not work out. But the ideal uh, religion that was finally found is the green ideology. Yeah, back to Mother Earth, uh, honor Mother Earth, and so on. Yes, and so uh, you have now this kind of, of, of uh, ideal combination, like the climate research, it's fully scientific expertocracy, and then you have climate. You have this saving the planet, saving the animals. Yeah, yes, and and uh, this has become a new kind of mixture. And of course, it is something uh, that one will only see when it's already there. It is hard to to foresee, like all these events are hard to foresee, and even when they happen, they are very hard to detect, and only in retrospect, and it took me a lot of work work to find this kind of uh, idea, how, how one can understand that, what is going on, these heterogeneous elements. Yes, yes. Now, I think one of the reasons that, I mean, I'm about the only journalist in the, one of the very few journalists in the UK, who is paying any attention to this? Everyone else thinks I'm a kind of crank, or I'm, I'm a, I'm a conspiracy theorist. And you must have you must have been called a conspiracy theorist in your time as well. Uh, it's it, it's the way of of closing down our line of inquiry, isn't it? Well, uh, as to uh, conspiracy, uh, first, the point is that it is not a conspiracy when you define conspiracy as something hidden. Yes, that is the original uh, meaning of conspiracy, a group of sinister people who plan something in the, in the obscurity and, uh, uh, and want to, to uh, make their, their plan a, a reality. In this case, it's all open. Uh, as I said before, the documents are here. They are being discussed. So it is, in this sense, not a conspiracy. On the other hand, I like to quote <laughs> quite, quite uh, well uh, Rothbard, uh, Rothbard uh, uh, Austrian economist Murray Rothbard, who said, conspiracy? Everything's conspiracy. 
everything in each company, in each university, in each party. You have a small group of the doers, yes, who, who manage things. And of course, he's right. The Catholic Church is a conspiracy. Yeah, the, the Fabian Society is a conspiracy. Yes, and of course, the people behind the World Health Organization are also a conspiracy. So in this sense, it is double-faced. It is double-faced, which of course make it makes it interesting because you can say both things. And yes, we are not a conspiracy because all documents are there. We are very open. We, we, you can see the picture. Yes, you have these pictures where you see Fauci, Bill Gates, and the German Kanzler, and another important woman, yes, on a, on a table and discussing, okay, yes, we show, yes. But what are they doing? How, how, how does this fit? Uh, Fauci... Uh, Bill Gates, German Chancellor, and uh, another lady who is Prime Minister in some Northern European country. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> will they, what yeah. do they do? Where, where is the legitimacy? Yes, behind that. I mean, if, if she's together with, with, with uh, Donald Trump, it's something else. Yes. So, it has both elements in that. And... Uh, one must recognize that it is open, like like all movements are open. After a while, they have to go public. Yes, and the the religious movement, all religious movements, it, it's interesting enough. If you compare that, all religious movements have their documents. They have their various uh, catechisms, Bibles, uh, pro promulgations, and so on. Yes, because with these written stuff, they they put also the people further around into the movement. If it were only a conspiracy of a few people, they would have no power. The, the conspiracy mm. or the, the, the power works when you publish the things, when you attract people. Yeah, it's like each party, as, as, as we know, publishes the document of the reunions, of the party congress and so on. Yes, but the point is only a few uh, hundred uh, can attend the party congress, but how to attract all these millions? So you have to publish, you have to make propaganda, and it's the outer stuff always integrated, and this is also here the case. So, uh, And most of the time, most of the people very outside, do not care. Uh, uh, I, for example, not so much interested in individual party politics. I think I have never, never read a party po program. Other, when I was very young, then there was some discussion about socialism, what are socialist plans, but each party has a party program. Hardly anybody outside reads it. Other who are members of, yes, the movement. Yes, and they are held together by these publications. Yes, yes, I, I, I see that. Now, you're, you're an Austrian economist. Um, I, I share your, I, I, like you, I, I believe in, in free markets. I believe that the, the, the fairest, most efficient way of allocating scarce resources is, is the market, because only the market has 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 more or less complete knowledge you know governments can't decide how to allocate resources better than the markets can because they don't have sufficient information so we accept we accept that and we know that historically 
it has been proven that we just when we look at the evidence of history that this is this is the best way this is how things work and that attempts to top down uh, economies like command economies like the soviet union they're doomed to doomed to failure so given all this why is it that and, and this is this is the argument I, I, I often have with people who want want to deny the existence of, of, of the Great Reset. They say to me things like, what what how does it how is it in the interests of Bill Gates and, um, you, you know, whoever to crash the world economy, to destroy small businesses? Because this is part of the plan, isn't it? They want to they want to crash the world economy, wipe out small businesses what it's going to shrink the global economy it's going to it's going to make people poorer why would why would wealth creators or people who've benefited from wealth creation in the past why would they do this well uh, i think there are two lines uh, uh, to that yes on the on the one hand there are are people uh, who who love uh, to have power. I mean, you you know these uh, relatively ascetic uh, leaders who by themselves uh, lived relatively mod modest uh, in their personal circumstances, although they could afford uh, many, many luxuries, and they were only obsessed by usually one idea, one major idea, and they, they, they loved power. Uh, well, the main representatives could be persons like Stalin and so, and even Lenin was a kind of a person who, who was not very into luxuries, different from, from later followers. Yes, so you have these, these people who want power. Now, with when you have a lot of money and... Uh, also work with people who who have well a lot of money but not such money as bill gates even with them you often feel they feel uh, unsatisfied after a while with their money because the option is actually uh, living a life of luxury which which is combined with certain boredom so i've noticed uh, I, I i receive uh, letters for example from fairly rich people who want to participate in academic work yes so they feel they are 50 for 60 they have a lot of money and they are interested now in something academic or some some contribution to to the philosophy of the world so to speak and of course you have then people who are super rich and they say, now i'm so rich but actually i have no power <laughs> i have very little power yes compared to what a governor has and now you have people like 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 gates who maybe have uh, this strand, yeah, so he's, well, as they say, well, you're just a software developer, yes, you have a lot of money, but you're just a software developer, yeah, this this ironic statement yeah. that he, he must hear a lot of, of, of times. And on the other hand, and, and with, with Bill Gates, it's quite interesting, because his family uh, was very strong in the depopulation movement, Yes, his father was very active in this area, and I think this is also a strand of his thinking. 
And yes, when he reunites with, with people in the similar category, yes, they have this idea that the world has too many people and we need a kind of depopulation, which is hard to imagine, actually, that it could really be a plan. But when you combine that now again with, uh, with the whole climate stuff, yes, Yes, uh, and, and saving the planet, yes, saving the earth by itself, it, it makes sense. And this may be in part uh, behind uh, that, that idea also to move forward to a depopulation. Uh, Bill Gates spoke many times, many times about that and, 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 and he does not, not hide it. Uh, and you you have heard about the Georgia Stones, this 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 uh, yeah. uh, memorial memorial, so to speak, of 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 of, of proposing 500 million uh, uh, depopulation, the rational future, and you have this expertocracy uh, in a situation where we say, why do we need so many people? Why do we need so many people? That's quite different from the first uh, industrial revolution where the, let's call it a capitalist, needed worker, wanted worker. Each country wanted a huge population. Yes, now uh, we are in a phase where most people can be uh, substituted by machine, by robots, by artificial intelligence, yes, and uh, so we have a kind of superfluous uh, people, useless people, and now let's go back to the Fabian society. In the Fabian movement, that has always been a subject, what shall we do with the useless people, with those that are, that cannot justify uh, their existence, yes. And so it's a nice, interesting mixture of expertocracy, climate, green religion, yes, and brutal depopulation. And it's happening very, very quickly. I mean, today I saw some some plans. It clearly is a pandemic. You, I, I've seen stuff leaked from France where they've already decided that, that, that in June 2021, there's going to be martial law declared to deal with the latest mutation, supposed mutation of the virus. I mean, we're, the, the excuse being given in London right now for locking down the whole city and effectively yeah. banning Christmas has been supposedly that the virus has mutated. Uh, and not i mean people aren't dying in significant numbers at all it, 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 but this this random detail which is a feature of every virus as far as i know they all mutate yeah. um is being used as an excuse <clears throat> and two two things amaze me here one is that the the establishment is lying so blatantly and se- and shamelessly but secondly how many people are buying into this and are not resisting so how does one deal well, with this? 
Well, uh, uh, as we, we talked about, uh, the, the media is an important, propaganda is an important element. I mean, uh, we are more educated people, we read a lot, also different sources, and we have to think that 90% of the population usually watch their TV or have some kind of, of deployed, uh, that's about it. And there they are fully exposed to this propaganda so you can count them count them out and and they are the majority and they will bring in in the votes so you have this this aspect now interesting enough yes the 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 individual situation of many of these people is not yet so bad because as uh, uh, still the government can give subsidies uh, uh, welfare payments uh, can, can maintain even the lack of income for small businesses but the point is how long and we know it's coming yeah. to an end it's it will soon be over now it takes i always say i make no prognosis i make no no prophecy i make no prognosis i only make implications i make implication now what is the implication that next year we will have massive unemployment massive unemployment yep. all over europe where one country pulls down the other country yes Yes, so you only no, yeah. no, you don't have this kind of locomotive as they used to say in the in the seventies, eighties. Ah, Germany will be the locomotive and move out the rest yeah. of Europe. That's that's over. Forget about that. There will won't be any locomotive. And now comes the point that uh, it will happen. And this is also new. We had this kind of let's say the 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 oil price crisis of the seventies, the two oil price shocks, and so on. Now. Uh, we did not have a major financial crisis at that time, yes? So it was unemployment, but the state and the banks and the financial system kept on going. Now, what we will get, and this is quite obvious, this huge spending is to have a major financial crisis. So ju just imagine you're unemployed, yes? And you don't have uh, any any means to 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 maintain yourself, and the savings you have, be it your life insurance insurance or something else, yes, is gone. It's gone overnight because the banks is in collapse or the life insurance company has has, has collapsed. Yeah, how can you survive? I mean, people will will will, will probably really uh, for the coming years. Uh, 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 the real pandemic will be the effect of the lockdown. Yes, the first the yes. elder people, the weaker people. Yes, uh, uh, the, a lot of depression, a lot of psychosis, of chaos, maybe even murder in the street. You will have, uh, I think this is my implication, I, I, I won't say it, it, it will happen. Yes, that's what I see, what, what is implied in what is going on. I mean, you have this destruction of the economy in all, let's call them generally Western countries, from the United States over Canada. And, uh, to to New Zealand and and Western Europe, yes, and so uh, this will be uh, the big catastrophe is in the making. It's not yet here. It's not yet here. It it sounds like Weimar Germany on on a on a worse, global scale. Much 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 worse. Much worse. Much worse. 
Yes, because at that time, uh, one one thing that I noted in 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 Latin America, yes, that that was never so clear to me in, in Europe. Let, let's say Argentina. Everybody knows Argentina is in a horrible uh, situation uh, uh, in the economic aspects. But what? Why does Argentina still work? And well, the small business is okay. Yes, the small and medium-sized yes. business do. You can get your car repaired. You can get your things, your food, and 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 the butcher is working. This is all very efficient. It's all there. Yeah, the restaurants are open. The bars are open. Yes, uh, before the, the the lockdown and so on. So this 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 middle-sized economy was flourishing. Yes, you could get your beer. You could get your wine. You could get your 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 meat and so on. And now they crush that. The restaurants are over. The bars are, are are shut down. Yes, and and there's also an element to it different from the Weimar Republic. Yes, at that time you still had many uh, a large part of the population was the religious. They they went to church. They had their, their religious community for whatever belief they had. Yes, that gave them a, a, a sense of community, also mutual help, and even more so, also still in 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 the 20s, yes, uh, of the past century, you had still much more strong family ties. They were still big families. You had nephews, you had other things. Now look look how the situation in, in Europe in general is from Spain to, 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 to Ireland. Yes, they are mainly uh, single households, uh, few, few people. How can they survive in a crisis when there's no money? Uh, and this is also a big difference uh, to, to Brazil, for example. Brazil will survive, I'm sure, because you still have here, first of all, this open space, this lot of land, and also you have still the basic economy present. It's not, uh, you, you people still can get food with a cart and, 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 and a, a horse and so on. Yes. And on the other hand, you still have here these mega families. I, I know students of mine who have 11 nephews and whatever, or 20 in all over the country. Yes. And this is not the case in Europe. Yes, so uh, the situation, in my uh, view, looks very bleak, very uh, horrendous in, in, in this whole area, European Union and America, as if, if you see that at one block, European Union, Britain, and so on, even if it's outside this block or this area, together with the United States, yes, which is very dependent on a functioning, well working economy, especially the financial part, yes? And so when the financial crash comes, and we had a foretaste in 2008, you remember the pictures in, in, in uh, bank lines uh, waiting to, to draw their, their cash from the bank, yes? And this could well, well happen because you have a collapse of credit. Uh, uh, I don't know how, how, how they did it in, in, in Britain, but in Germany, the, the, the government postponed the obligation to declare bankruptcy. So we have thousands and maybe mega thousands of uh, uh, businesses that, that are bankrupt but have not yet declared bankruptcy because they are uh, freed from this uh, necessity to declare bankruptcy when, when the books, uh, are, uh, the accounting says that they are uh, unable to maintain their business. So a huge wave of that will come. Unemployment will come. 
banking crisis will come. Yes, and so <laughs> the government has <laughs> has no more funds. Yes, it will be yes. either mega inflation or or a major contraction. That's that's what we see. So it it, it is horrible, and it's it was not the virus. Yes, uh, not at all the virus. It was the lockdown. Yes, and uh, it, 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 it is, a, it is a, a shock. And, and the point is that most people just cannot comprehend it because this dimension explodes anything we are used to think. It's so outrageous. Yes, as you said from the beginning, yes. how, can, how, how, can, how can they do it? How could they do it? Well, uh, the history has many examples where in reader's perspective, we say, how could they do that? And they did. Yeah, so in human history, it's not an outlier. How can people protect themselves? I mean, if people, people are going to be watching this and they're going to be horrified and they're going to don't, not know what to do, what, have you got any tips on... Well, uh, you cannot give uh, general tips uh, in, in this way. It has to be a very personal decision how to protect oneself, how the situation is. And uh, there's also uh, another uh, difference. Uh, uh, for example, uh, after World War II, two, uh, in, in, in Germany, there was not a... Besides, there were, were help, but the help uh, was coming with the Marshall Plan much late, later. There was not a mega starvation uh, because even in the cities, people had small gardens. That, that is, mm -hmm. is, is largely forgotten. Even you had the, the, these this structures of houses yeah, in a square, and inside, most of the tenants had small garden places where they grew also animals. Chickens, they had eggs, they uh, 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 rabbits, uh, uh, fruits, vegetables, and so on, potatoes, and, and you, you hardly don't have that anymore. Well, you have a survival, survival movement in the United States. This does not work in Europe because we don't have a space. Yes, but uh, it has to be an individual decision what to do. Yes, and it, it is not easy. Yes, it is not easy. But mm. what what I think what I think one can say one should not bank on uh, money having money. Uh, so your savings are really the problem. The most of our of our security for the future is the feeling, okay, I have a pension, okay, I have some savings, yes, that's where, where we count, yes, so, but the government can't pay anymore your pension and you ha don't have access, access to your savings account, so calculate this, yes, uh, how do you survive, how do you live, yes, and so in earlier times you had your relatives, yes, and uh, many people, even in the 20s, still had family on the countryside. In the countryside, you always have something to eat and something to sleep. That's what you need. Many people who lived in the cities went back to live, uh, live with their brother, brother for some time and so on. Yes, as this is all no longer possible uh, and it is hard to reconstruct. 
but but people could could do that yes uh, uh, i mm-hmm. hope it will not happen yes of course uh, uh, one one can pray or whatever to to to, to think it, it won't happen it it will all turn well but so i don't make uh, i i don't make any prophecies or prognosis i also i only say implications implications and my implications may be wrong because my equation is not perfect I may miss something, yes. So uh, I'm not a prophet. I just say, as it is of now, as I see it, this is what what looks as uh, is the result of this composition of the facts. Yes, yes. D- just one thing. I, I right now, I don't know about you. I'm pinning a lot of my hopes on the stolen election being somehow maneuvered back into its rightful winner donald donald trump donald trump it seems to me is is he's a a bulwark against against this tendency that he he is not part of the swamp he's not part of the world economic forum he's not part of this he represents the ordinary people and i think if the leader of the free world can be presenting an alternative vision to this great reset then maybe that would be a chance to turn things round things round well, that that could well be the case. Sometimes I pin my hope on that too, because he could really be a an example and 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 make the the new direction. Uh, end the lockdown. U.S. will have a strong, quick recovery, and the Europeans will follow. Yes, that that would be a to end with a positive scenario. But uh, one has to take into account what a hard position, what a tough position he is in, how many enemies all around. I mean, a president and has his, his Twitter account censured. Yeah, I mean, this is, yeah. this is absolutely crazy. This is so crazy. And, and, and you have these major channels, ABC, NBC, CNN, uh, that only bring negative news all hide anything uh, negative about uh, Biden and his family and so on. So it is absolutely outrageous what is going on. And I mean, uh, if we survive the whole stuff and it turns out okay, in any ways, it will be a fantastic area of research for many generations of historians to see <laughs> into the details what really had happened. It, 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 it is more than, than, than 9-11 and it's more than the murder of Kennedy and so on. It is something uh, uh, amazing. And well, let's hope it goes out this way. Uh, uh, Trump how somehow stays in power. He ends the lockdown. Yes, the economy in the U.S. enters rapidly in a in a new kind of energy of of of, of strong, uh, sharp V recovery, and this would pull out uh, Europe uh, as well. Of course, yes, it would. It would. Yeah. Yes, and and it would also uh, put blame on the, our leaders and say, okay, and news would come out. I mean, that's also important, that who had done that, what was behind that, what are the details, yes. And, uh, well, uh, we, we only have uh, uh, half a month, uh, um, yeah, yes. a little more than half a month uh, half to a see. Month to yeah. save the world. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> Good. Well, well, Anthony, Dr. Muller, it's, it's been fascinating uh, if, if slightly depressing, 
talking to you. Um, thank you very much for for that for your insights. And and please, ev everyone who's enjoyed this, please remember to support me on on Patreon and Subscribestar. That's, okay. This is how I I keep keeping myself going with these these podcasts. Um, Dr. Muller, thank you. I hope that your darker predictions are wrong, <laughs> but I I share your concerns very much. And um, yeah, I hope I meet you one day. I, I've never been to Brazil, so I'd like to come. Okay, thank you so much, James, for having me on. It's been a great talk. Thank you for for having me and uh, uh, have the pleasure of talking to you. And I I totally agree with you. I also have a, in my heart a, a spare place where there is hope and uh, uh, really a, a major hope still hidden that may come out because if if the things will turn out well it will it may may maybe turn out very well yes exactly i think it's almost we need this crisis to remind us what really matters and what doesn't yes, matter because yes, the world's yes. been taking a a wrong turn for a long long time now and there's a yes. lot of damage that, that needs to be undone yeah let's see well let's have a let's have another chat in the future because um okay. you, you've been fascinating and it's been great thanks a lot okay thanks a lot bye bye bye, -bye. thank you